Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. All right. So, Daniel chapter 1, read verse. We're going to talk about it. I have to watch my wife, Dolores, here. Because I get, I do, I get passionate. And this is, y'all are Pastor Ben's flock. I'm not here to beat his flock. Okay. Um, so I, I want you to know when, when my passion on these subjects and, and when we talk about training up children spiritually and preparing them, I get very passionate about that. So that's kind of like an apology for, for my passion. <laughs> I'll let him, I'll let him, yeah, I'm sorry, not sorry. Yeah. So I'll let him do the beating, uh, on the, oh, I thought about this, uh, has nothing to do with Daniel chapter one, but all the church's financial needs are actually already met. They are. The money's in your accounts though. That's the thing. All, all the needs, all the personnel needs are already met. They're just in those chairs. So. Pastor Ben did not tell me to say that. He may not want me to say that, but they are. All, the, all, the, all of God's needs are met. I'm looking at them. So, All right. So, <laughs> Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. To get some context of where we are uh, um, in history, so this is like, um, 605, 607 BC. This is the first siege of Jerusalem. I don't know when's the last time y'all taught. Have y'all gone through Kings and Chronicles? I, I know it's, you have, you'll, you know, reading through the Bible in a year, you'll get there probably around April. <laughs> but, uh, what's going on? Israel has had a civil war. So the country, I'll do it. You'll see a lot of children's ministry teaching techniques here. So Israel, which would be the circle, has had a civil war. There's north and south. So the northern kingdom has uh, kept the name. That's the kingdom of Israel. And then the southern kingdom is the kingdom of Judah. And that's where Jerusalem is. So this is uh, after the, the kings have, you know, they've split off. And so we're talking about uh, the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, and particular, uh, specifically, the city of Jerusalem has, uh, where the temple is, um, it's been sieged. So, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has sent his forces in there and has taken over that. Verse two and three, it says, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hands, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar's God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. And we'll, we'll stop there. So, you know, this is what, what an army would do. They would go. They're taking over uh, a, a land, or they're conquering it, and they're taking the spoils of the war, not just uh, money, uh, and treasures, national treasures that they have, the, the things from the temple, but they're taking in some of their, uh, uh, the young kids, and we'll talk specifically about which ones in a moment. But I'm sure, I, I'm going to say, well, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but it, it was. It's, it's a surprise. When you get overrun, besieged, and uh, uh, conquered, you're going to be surprised. But 
they had been reading through their scrolls in a year, they would have known this. 105 years earlier, God said this was going to happen exactly because God's prophecies are perfect. They all have been perfect, and those that have not been fulfilled will be fulfilled perfectly. God uh, spoke through uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 30, uh, 39. This was when King Hezekiah, uh, he, was, he was terminally ill, he was sick, and he prayed to God for, you know, uh, to be well, and God granted him 15 more years. And uh, so he would be, of course, he'd be, you know, anybody, all of us that have prayed for somebody that's sick, we'd be, you know, ecstatic if when they're healed, if they're healed. And Hezekiah was. And the king of Babylon at that time sent some people, sent a letter saying, hey, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm, you know, this is great. And King Hezekiah, in his pridefulness, said, yeah, not only am I better, let me show off my kingdom. Let me show you my treasure. Let me show you my armory. The It says that, um, let's see, what did he say? There was nothing in his house. He's talking about King Hezekiah. There's nothing in his house nor in his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. He, he you know, and this was, this is another country. This is, you know, letting them in on their national security and, and on their secrets. He was boastful. Uh, I, the, the worship song, you know, let us put down all our pride. And, uh, trust me, pride is, is, uh, it's a reason God just has this deep place in his heart for for pride and uh, and the just the the turmoil and the trouble that it brings and uh, we can be blinded to pride um cuz pride can make us feel good you know and we want that but it destroys it's that silent uh, destroyer it could be of our faith it could be of our witness our testimony and uh but it was king hezekiah's pride showing them uh all this in Isaiah 39, uh, verse 6, it says, this is Isaiah speaking. You know, after God had to- uh, told him what's going on, Isaiah's here, and I'm sure he was just incredibly mad. He was probably mad. He was uh, righteously mad about this. He says, Behold, the days are coming when all that's in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons... Uh, who you who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. They, this is what's going to happen. I'm, I mean, that's a summary of the rest of of the next you know five six verses. What's going on in Daniel a hundred years later? So, did it affect King Hezekiah directly? Uh, not really. It wasn't his son. He wasn't alive when this happened. This was 105 years later. But, you know, his pridefulness is going to affect a nation, okay, 100 years later. Uh, it's like, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. It's, it, we're going to be talking a lot about preparing things. And, you know, just because uh, Pastor, Pastor Ben could do something to this church uh, of his will, not God's will, and maybe it won't affect his time in ministry here, but it would further down the road. You know, we have to be preparing and not be thinking, for one, we don't need to be self-thinking of ourself, you know. I like telling uh, the kids we need to think about Jesus, we need to think about others, and if we have any time left, then we can think about ourselves and stuff. But we need to be preparing, and that's going to be a, um, a over 
overarching theme today. Uh, they were informed about what was going to happen, uh, the Jewish people. Continue on, verse 4 and 5, talking about what they took away. Uh, verse 4 says uh, they also took away the youth that um, in whom had no defect. Uh, they were uh, good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, who had the ability for serving in the king's court. And he, talking about the king, and he ordered him, Ashpenaz, to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which, uh, which he drank, appointed that they should be educated three years, at which, um, at the end of which they would enter into the king's personal service. So they were taken, they were taken captive. This is the first, um, uh, first group of captives coming out of uh, Judah into uh, Babylon, into the, that period of captivity. And it, it's, it doesn't sound bad. It, it, you know, it doesn't say they're taken and then they're imprisoned and hard labor and, and stuff like that. But what did they get? They were given an education. They're given the king's choice food and drink. And kind of like maybe even you could think an internship because they would, you know, they would fulfill or finish this education. And then they would be given an appointment, a job. So, on the surface, it's not bad, you know. I mean, some some of these kids, other than our young men, um, ages probably, you know, it could be 15 to 20. They're teens, you know, so uh, young adults. Um, maybe they were taken away from a situation where they didn't have all these opportunities. Maybe they were working, you know, a, a hard or difficult laborious job. They may, this may have been worldly thinking, you know, uh, a better deal than what they had. But what, what the king, this plan that he's, he's doing here, he's trying to assimilate these Jewish, Jewish boys out of their culture, out of their believing into theirs, into their pagan belief, into their different. Let's just, let's just go with a different belief, which is pagan. Why would, why would the king want to do this? He wanted servants, okay, and not not so much like slaves as you know. The in the next several chapters of Daniel, um, spoiler, they're going to get government positions. They're going to be taken care of. They're not out doing you know a hard labor job. So he's creating a workforce. You know, we know just from the history and from our Bible that he's going to go back to uh, Judah to conquer. Uh, again, so he, you know, maybe he's going to use some of these locals, you know, that he's changed their way of thinking. What did, what were they learning? Language, agriculture, astronomy, uh, law, stuff like that. So they're going to be now part of, you know, Babylon. They've been taken care of, but they're going to, you know, probably, I, I would, I'm assuming, this isn't biblical, I'm going to assume that there's going to be certain of these students that were helped the Babylonian forces when they went back to Jerusalem to see, to, you know, besiege it again. You know, they would know some of the, uh, um, inner workings of the city or the, the geography there. They were taken away. These, these young men were taken away from their families, their culture, their country, uh, the things they knew where they had grown up, um, subjected to a different education system, 
different subjects. Uh, again, the astronomy, astrology, uh, not a, a godly type thing. Uh, when we read um, even later in this chapter and throughout um, Daniel, you know, they had their, their magicians and conjurers, you know, and these were people that weren't seeking the one true God, but other means uh, to, to come up with assumptions and different things that they, um, that they worshipped. Uh, they would be prepared to, to be able to do the work, again, that we, they will be, the government work. Okay? So that's why. Some of the things they're going to get, the meat, the food, it sounds good. I'm all about and have been during this Christmas season eating. And this was the choice food. This wasn't the college cafeteria food. They're getting some of the king's choice food and choice uh, um, um, strong drink. So there's some problems there. This is where Daniel would probably start seeing, you know, some of the problems. Daniel and his friends. So the meats that would be there. Again, Daniel coming out of this Jewish upbringing that God had given them laws. So the meat would. They're all problems, but, you know, I kind of think of the number one problem was probably sacrificed and prepared to a pagan god. Okay, that's what in Babylon they would have done. They would have this uh, meat. It would be offered or sacrificed to a pagan god and then serve. It wouldn't have been kosher, you know, if it was uh, beef. It wouldn't have been, you know, bled out. Just all these laws that God had given the Jewish people to set them apart. And we'll talk about that. You know, this was you know, defiling. This was wrong. This was not honoring to God. This strong drink, okay? The Jewish people, they, they would drink wine, but it was it was watered down. This was a strong alcoholic drink for the purpose, not to, to quench thirst or hydrate in any way, but it was for drunkenness. So you just see the sinfulness. Again, some of these young men that are taken out of their culture away from their families, they're thinking... You know, I get to eat different things. Uh, I get to experience a different life. I'm away from my family. You know, they're, they're fixing to have to make some decisions here. These things, the education, the food, the drink, um, this way of life, these standards, these practices go against what God had laid out for the Jewish people. The Jewish people are God's chosen people, and he gave them these laws. And, I, and I've, I've heard studies, I've, I've taught, and it's like, you know, well, why did God, you know, institute some of these bizarre or crazy or we just don't understand these laws? And you know what? There's, there's a lot of different thoughts and stuff. You know, maybe it's for health concerns, it's for this. Here's what we know. Here's what our Bible tells us. God wanted to set the Jewish people apart from the world, Okay. Uh, and we know that now there may be particulars in there that, you know, God doesn't tell us about, but God wants, wanted the Jewish people to be set apart, just like God wants us as believers in Christ to be apart from this world. Okay. Um, we're going to be, we're in this world. Okay. But we don't have to be, um, we don't have to, what's our words say? We don't conform to this world, but we're transformed. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, this is what's going on. We're kind of setting up this chapter for Daniel, for this example for us to follow. Verses uh, 6. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We usually think of this as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and that's what 
you know, that's that, those are the Bible stories. Um, and let's let's talk about that. So the names, their names: Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They're Hebrew names. This is what they mean: Daniel, God is judge. Okay, so it gives us God is judge. It tells us what's the standard. I'm not the judge. Pastor Ben's not the judge. God is the judge. That's our standard. Okay, we're going to fall. We're going to we're going to come short in our best efforts at times. But God is judge. So that's what Daniel's name. Hananiah, beloved by God. How do you have a bad day when your name is beloved by God? Somebody comes up to you, hey, beloved by God, how are you? I'm doing good. Okay, Hananiah, beloved by God. Mishael, who is as God? So it's a, a, a statement saying that there are, there's none above God. Okay, who is as God? And Azariah, the Lord is my help. Okay, the Lord is my help. Not, not my own efforts or my own experiences, but the Lord is my help. Okay, these are beautiful reminders of, uh, of their God um, whenever, whenever they speak. But verse 7 says, Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And I'll tell you, when I read the, the Babylonian name, I'll give you the definition there. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. It means Baal's prince. The prince of a pagan god. It's Baal's prince. It's it's. It's it's emotionally hard for me to think about this because it's sad because of how what names kind of mean to me. To Hananiah, Shadrach, illumined by the sun god, another pagan god that they worship, sun god. But that's who he's illumined, you know. And I see the play on words, and that's we could say it's neat, but it's giving honor, it's giving credit for that person to a false god. So that was uh, Hananiah. To Mishael, he gets the name Meshach, which is who is like Shak, another deity that they worshipped. So instead of who is as God, it's it's it's. I mean, that's a slap in the face. That is, you know, I want to change your name. Who is like this other god, Shak? And to Azariah, Abednego, the servant of Nego, another pagan god. So the, again, I have my simple mind doesn't understand, thankfully, um, religions that have to have multiple gods. These polytheistic, you know, they don't have one god that's good enough. They need separate gods for separate things. They don't have an almighty, all powerful, and all sovereign God as we do. Praise God. So they change their names when I teach children's ministry. Um, I've taught children's ministry 15 years. It'll be f- it, it was 15 years that I taught at uh, Sierra Vista, Calvary Chapel Sierra Vista. I've taught, taught children's ministry and uh, love it. Got to teach soldiers for years in the military and uh, get to teach kids the Word of God. And one of the things that I have always tried to do was try very hard to learn their names, to learn children's names. Uh, I put very little effort into learning parents' names. Um, it's like, oh, you're Johnny's mom or dad. And uh, I learned this in a difficult way because I, I remember I remember the child, Jordan, uh, was her name, and I called her by the wrong name. 
and uh, she was her first time. Her mom is going to church, and her dad, you know, they they were divorced, and they had you know split custody, and she got to bring her daughter, and I forgot her daughter's name. The first, I think it was the second time she was there, I had forgotten her name, and and I found out that that hurt that child's, you know, hurt her feelings, and I started thinking about it, and I didn't want to hurt a child's feelings, so that's what got me thinking about it. But I go, their name is all they have. They don't have a car. They don't have a house. They don't have a job. They go to school. They don't have school. Like we have jobs. They don't have school. They go to school. They're told to go to school. All they have is their name. And, uh, and so I, that's just something that I've always tried. And, and you always feel good when somebody, you know, knows your name. A real small story. I was in a prayer meeting, like middle of prayer. And there's an old, there's a friend of mine, his older gentleman. He's trying to I'd pray for me. And he goes, ah, Tom? <laughs> no, Joe. I mean, I've known him for years. But it's just one of those things. Your name is, that's, that's it. And here, these young men have had their, their names taken away from them. Okay? Um, so just another part of that uh, assimilation. So they're taken away. Taken away from their country, their family, their culture, and given a free ride, education, room and board, good food, and all that. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? So we're going to look at Daniel's thoughts and his um, how he how he deals with this. Verse eight says, "But Daniel made up his mind, or he purposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food, or with the wine which he, the king, drank." So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. There's so much, this one verse in context with what's going on, we can learn so much just from that one verse on how we should desire to want to please and live honoring lives to God. It's, he just, he has, I don't want to say he has the right to defile himself and not honor God. I know if I was there, I could easily justify in my own mind, not biblically, eating of the choice food and drinking the wine. I'm young. I'm scared. I'm away from mom. Nobody will know. It's good. I'm, you know, they're giving me this education and stuff. It would be okay. But God left his word for us to read this. But Daniel made up in his mind, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with these things. This is what, and this is what Pastor Chuck, and this it's been years, he said, he goes, when did they learn? When did he develop a heart that did not want to be displeasing for God? Was it, you know, was it on the way from Jerusalem to Babylon? No, it was not. Okay, you're you're scared. That's not when you're thinking about making uh, difficult decisions. Was it the week before? Probably not. It was it was his upbringing. It was because somebody taught him in little Jewish Sunday school. Um, it was his parents, grandparents, his caretakers' example. And love and their purposing in their heart to honor God 
in different, in, in easy situations and difficult situations like Daniel. So this was something that, um, to me, the stories, the lesson isn't about Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, Hananiah. It's about the people we don't know their names, the parents, aunts, and uncles, the caretakers for these young men, years, life, the, the entire lifetime of these young men, preparing them for something, though God had told them 105 years before through the prophet Isaiah was going to happen. But, you know, and I don't know, maybe he had some wonderfully godly person that had read of that prophecy and said, I, we need to prepare for it. Ah, what's the chance of it happening? Well, who knows? But it's going to happen. It's a prophecy of God, which makes me think about other prophecies and other commandments that were given in our word about being prepared, not being foolish about uh, doctrine. You know, well, if I am foolish or if I'm lacking understanding in something, I need to do that now. I need to prepare because I don't know what's going to happen in 2020 or 2025, or I don't know what's going to happen after I've left this world and my daughter or grandchildren or great-grandchildren are here. I want to start leaving a spiritual and godly legacy for them now. Okay. I see a lot of similarities with what's going on with these four young men with sending some or a young man or woman off to college. And y'all have guns up, right? So I gotta throw Texas Tech in there. That way Pastor Ben will bring me back. You don't think about <laughs> you don't think about sending someone off to college because they could, you know, you have Texas Tech University right here. So it's like, you know, they, they can go to school and all that. But what if they what if they do go to a pagan land? What if they go to the University of Texas or, you know, heaven forbid, Flower Mound, Texas, <laughs> Texas A&M, or Nacogdoches, right, that area. But uh, we don't know. You know, we don't know what or that job after they graduate Texas Tech University and they go off to the East Coast, the West Coast, what if they, Midland, <laughs> any of these pagan areas, what if they stay right here in Lubbock? And uh, just, you know, this is, again, you love your city. I love Lubbock. This is, and as Pastor Ben was saying, possibly joking about the sticker on Dolores' car, this is, this is my, my church away from home, you know, uh, and I love it. I love coming here. And, uh, but, you know, we find ourselves in different situations, and we don't know. I've had, I've had parents and grandparents say this to me, and I see it in the media way too often, parents caretakers, grandparents caring for children that I don't want to push my kids in, you know, any certain way into church, into Sunday school. They don't want to go or it's not worth the hassle to get them here. Let me tell you, these kids need guidance. The suicide rate from the year 2000 to 2007 for young boys and girls ages 10 to 24 was seven out of 100,000 kids. That's 17 kids in Lubbock. 250,000 or so, right, here in Lubbock. That's 17 kids a year committing suicide, okay, from year 2000 to 2007. In less than two decades, that's increased by 56%. That's 
like 27 kids a year making, making a, a choice that's horrible. Okay. Um, and, and that's, that's one horrible choice. There's other choices that they're making that aren't life ending, but they're, they're definitely life changing here. But what about eternally? You know, are we preparing them for something so much greater than the life we have here? Young kids need help before it's literally too late. So let's see what Daniel, how Daniel did this. We're going to look again at um, what he did. Verse 8. But Daniel made up, his, made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice foods or the wines uh, in which he drank. So he demanded that he got what he wanted and it was that it was his right and that everybody should change to better suit him. And then he went on Facebook and told everybody that he was being persecuted for not getting what he wanted. Now, you're already freaking out because I'm reading uh, New American Standard. You know, <laughs> you're like, that's, that's not what he did. He sought permission. He didn't demand. There's no demanding. He sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. No, he, he didn't, he didn't freak out. It, it seems that he remained calm. He was in a, a difficult circumstance, situation, and he remained composed. He, um, uh, we can see three characteristics that I pulled out of this. He was courageous, he was determined, and he was obedient to God. He's courageous, determined, and obedient to God. We see, see Daniel's moral courage. Um, we, we see his physical courage in later chapters. We, we see the, the Daniel in the lion's den. We see his three friends in the fiery furnace. We see their physical courage there, but we have um, this mental uh, or moral courage here. He knew something was wrong. And he, he sought permission. Um, we see that he was determined not to get his own way. That's me. I'm determined to get my own way. No, he was uh, relying on his spiritual upbringing and experience. He was determined to try to find a way to honor God. And that's where we see the, the last characteristic. He was uh, desired. What was it? He purposed in his heart to not defile himself because he wanted to be obedient to a, a, a law that God had given the Jewish people. Okay, Verse 9 and 10, it says, Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king. He has appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the use, uh, the youth's? Who are your own age? Uh, then you would, uh, then you would make me forfeit my own head. So this commander Ashpenaz, he's, you know, he's got a valid point. He goes, if I mess up my job, if you if you look sickly for whatever reason, he goes, I'm going to lose my head. You know, and and that's how business was done. So Daniel, we're going to read. He's going to we're going to continue on, and Daniel's going to provide a. Um, a suitable, non-life-threatening solution. In verse 11, we'll read through. Let's go 11 to 14. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He says, this is Daniel, please test your servants for 10 days 
and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice foods and deal with your servant according to what you see. Uh, so we listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. So again, in that passage, we can gain, you know, maybe not as much, not uh, just spiritual insight, but just how we should act in relations, in relationships, in uh, conflicts. Um, Daniel, he, again, he remained calm. He, he came up with a limited test, these 10 days. Uh, and he said, you know, and Daniel agreed. How did I put it? He agreed to whatever the results are. That's what he'll, you know, you have my word. You know, if, if we look worse or bad or whatever, you know, we'll do that. I don't think Daniel was necessarily this nutritional guru that knew all the nutritional information with the food that he sees here, you know, the king's food and his food. He trusted in God. That's right. He goes, I'm going to be obedient to God. It's, you know, and, and, and let that happen. You know, I don't have to know. This is a hard one for me. I don't have to know everything. I can have faith. Okay. Do we have to know everything? No. God says it's, it's through faith that we can please God, not by knowing everything. Praise God. It's not by knowing everything. You know, as talking with my uncles, it's, God uses the, the simple and base things in life. Yeah. Not the one that we don't have to know every answer. God was faithful to provide uh, for him because was Daniel wasn't doing it for himself. Okay. I mean, he was doing it for God. Again, the easy way out is eat the food, drink the wine. Verse 17. Um, as for these youths, God gave God, not the Babylonian education system. God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. We, we know those stories. King Nebuchadnezzar probably thought that he was the one that provided and, and developed these these young men right there we we have it was god and we can take away from that just from that it's like you know uh well this is very made up i can pretend i play an instrument and i can think it's me it's because i practice and all that no these are gifts that god has given us whether it's uh the ability to to perform in your job well to provide for a family to anything to to be a great grandparent or you know a wonderful grandparent these are gifts that God has given us, not the world. Okay. Uh, and God was using Daniel for his service. Whereas Nebuchadnezzar's thinking, I'm going to provide, I'm going to create these servants for my service. Um, let's just read the, to the end of the chapter, starting 18 to 21. Then at the end of these days, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander and the officials presented before them King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and he, yes, verse 19, and the king talked with them and out of them all, uh, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for the matter, um, yeah, as for other matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them 10, talking about these four guys, 10 times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. So, um, give me a couple of minutes here. We're going to, and we'll close up. But there's a couple of things. I think I have two or three things here that we can we can take away, kind of latch on, uh, go back and read 
Daniel chapter 1 and uh, kind of you know cement it into your mind so that when you're reading it or when you find yourself in a situation, you can kind of you know think, okay, what was God trying to teach us in Daniel chapter 1? Um, it's not the children's ministry worker that is to provide your child's spiritual growth, all of your child's spiritual growth. And it's not Pastor Ben's teaching that's to provide all your spiritual growth. These are supplements to what you're doing, especially, and again, I'm going to, especially with children's ministry. I do, I like numbers. A child five years old starts coming to children's church twice a week for 13 years till they're 18 years old. 1,350 hours. Okay. Compared to what they spend in the education system. 12 years, three six-week periods. I figured six hours a day. That's 13,000 hours. 10 to 1 ratio. Okay. Now, I'm not, and I'm not saying, I'm not against education, public education, uh, public school systems, anything like that. I'm just saying, what's the big, what's influencing their life? Okay. Is it, you know, if you think they're only going to be, they only need one or two hours a week in the children's ministry, if you only think you need one or two hours from Pastor Ben, you know, that, that's, that's not enough. Okay. You know, it's, it's spiritual food. Okay. Do you, I don't want to eat just once a week or twice a week. I don't want to eat once or twice a day. I want to eat more. And it's the same thing. Just like food is fuel, okay, to our bodies, reading and studying and applying the Word of God is the spiritual food that God, that's why He preserved this, you know, for us. And, and we should be taking that in. So uh, uh, we want to see who, who, should I or can, who can I and who should I be influencing? You know, men, we're, we're, God has given us the responsibility as the spiritual heads of our families. Okay. Um, uh, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt, uncle, if you're breathing, you probably have the responsibility in some way to care for, you know, and that, that means you're going to have to put some effort into it. Okay, you're going to have to study. You're going to need to ask questions. You're going to have to figure out how to take what you learned on Sunday, maybe, and teach it to you know your kids. Find that that one little point that you can, you know, keep them thinking about that, so that when they go to the University of Texas or wherever, when they're taken into captivity, they can uh, they can react in a way that's honoring to God. And something else, and. Um, that I, I kind of think about is, yeah, a couple of minutes, we're good. God did not keep Daniel from being put into captivity. God did not remove him at all from captivity. Daniel's going to spend decades doing God's work in captivity. Um, so we can pray to be removed from a situation, but God, <coughs> God does incredible work while we're in those situations and just like daniel you know uh, was faithful to god while he was in that situation to be taken care of i want to honor god through this situation and um, god did he prevailed um, 
Yeah, what I have. God used Daniel while in the situation while being surrounded by a pagan by pagan leadership, government, and culture. You know, and no matter how you feel about um, your local, state, national government, this is where we are. God has put us in here, and we're we're blessed. I've been in many other countries, and I and I think about our persecuted brothers and sisters in in, in uh, areas of the world where they can't come together. Uh, you know what? We have great. Um, uh, civil rights here and we should be able to uh, just take take hold of that so for reals in closing as we leave here today figure out are you in daniel's shoes needing to you know dedicate yourself to god while dealing with the culture uh, that you find yourself in or are you in a position to influence a person uh, or you know younger otherwise to prepare them for when they go off uh, when they find themselves surrounded, trying to be assimilated into a pagan um, culture, when they're away from their family, when they're away from their church, when they make that decision whether to go to church or not go to church, to to hang out with that group or not, or you know, Daniel's going to influence. Uh, he's going to influence this king. You know, he's he's going to make a change because of his faithfulness. So um, we can think about that. Um, and again, as Pastor Ben said, it's a new year, you know, and I, I love making resolutions and just kind of clean slate and, and starting over. I like that kind of systematic thing. And uh, God God gives us, you know, he's given us the greatest gift that doesn't wear thin or old or anything like that with His uh, through salvation. But let's take today, let's not wait till Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday, the first of the year, but we have every day. And uh, when we fall short, when we miss a couple of days in our daily Bible reading, don't let that stop you. Make that decision to honor God. Let's stand up and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we do, once again, we thank you so much that you have left your word for us, that you've preserved it for us, that you've given us uh, this incredible example in Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, Lord. We pray that we would uh, uh, live a life to honor you um, not just so that it, you know, because it's not going to be always easy for us, Lord. Um, and not just so that we can get the praise of men by no means, Lord. We pray that our lives will be honoring to you because you are the one true God, our creator and our wonderful, wonderful savior. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.